that. We are on. We are on. Episode 140 of the Average Man Podcast. Happy Australia Day. Happy Australia Day to you, mate. How the bloody hell are you? So, um, it is Australia Day. It is Thursday the 26th of January, and um, it's the first podcast I've done in a few weeks since we were on holidays. That's um, not 100% my fault. Well, I suppose it is my fault, but it wasn't my intention. I, uh, I recorded a podcast the first weekend I was back, <clears throat> didn't save it, and I lost it when I went to publish it. And I was spewing, man. It was a good podcast, too. It was a good 45 minutes. Um, I was feeling it. I was in the vibe. It was all happening, and um, yeah, man, I just didn't, I didn't record it. Uh, I, I didn't save it, so I lost it. So I was pretty spewing about that. <clears throat> but what do you do? I've got to move on. And then the weekend after, we had my parents, uh, my parents, in, my the in-laws, my wife's parents in town. So we kind of, um, you know, the house was full, the caravan was full, uh, kids had just got back, so it just really wasn't the time. So you know, it kind of didn't happen for us, uh, unfortunately. Uh, my setup's falling around, apart around me here, so I'm just going to bail out on what I was trying to achieve. I've got air cons running in here as well, um, so I was a bit worried about the background noise, but my little um, soundproofing, makeshift soundproofing panels didn't really work. They just fell over. <coughs> but anyway, look, as I said, three weeks back, mate, it's a bit of a rerun of a podcast I did a couple of weeks ago with some extra shit added in because it is Australia Day, but it's the... We're three weeks back at work. Uh, the, we had visitors last week. Kids are back now. School starts next week, so it's time to find that consistency again and um, start hitting the yeah hitting the podcast as a weekly thing. I've got a I've got a plan to make that happen, which is that I'm going to do them on Friday evenings, which I did with the one that I lost. Um, that way, I don't have to dedicate extra time to them over the weekend. I can do them um, on a Friday afternoon or a Friday evening before the kids. Um, before I pick the kids up, before everyone gets home from work, and then I can um, sort of edit them and, and, and air them over the, over the weekend. So that should work a bit better for me. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Australia Day. Before we move on, I'll, 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 we'll have a little chat about Australia Day because each year I kind of, kind of cover this, this topic one way or another. I've generally done posts regarding it. Um, mine was a little, little simpler today. Um, I basically just said, happy Australia day. I I hope you're enjoying good food, good music with good people. And it's probably a good idea to, to, uh, acknowledge the traditional owners on whoever, on whose country you're, you're celebrating wherever you are in Australia and also probably a good start and a good way to, to pay some respect is to have the conversation um, about what Australia Day means to other Australians, namely um, Indigenous Australians, and then possibly passing that information or having that conversation with your foreign friends, people who, who aren't uh, you know, born in Australia, or uh, your children, uh, or just people who are a little um, ignorant to that conversation because it's not just um, celebrating Australia Day, Australia, you know, uh, um, the, the, the Australian flag being raised in Sydney Cove in 1788. Um, it it's, means a lot more 
uh, to Indigenous Australians and Torres Strait Islanders, it means like it's Invasion Day. You know, it's Survival Day. It's 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 celebrating. It's representing a th- the day or the time when Europeans landed in Australia, raped and pillaged all the the Indigenous people here, and, and fucked up their whole world. Um, so let's not forget that. And yeah, sure. It, we, I'm all about moving forward, moving on, living together. Um, you know, bridging the gaps and the differences between the two cultures. Um, not about you know um, dropping the bottom lip, sulking, putting you know anger and and, um, and holding on to the past negative in a negative way. I'm all about moving forward, mate. But let's let's acknowledge that that's that's what actually happened. That's what this means to 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 the traditional original culture, um, the indigenous people of Australia. And just, just I, I don't. Th- I'm where this is leading is because obviously the background now last for whatever it's been five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm not sure how many years, but this whole change the date movement has become like a real thing that we can't talk about Australia Day without talking about the, the change the date movement, which I'm not a fan of. I don't agree with it. Um, I'm not for it. I obviously am uh, an Aboriginal, I'm Indigenous Australian myself, but I just see the situation differently, as plenty of Indigenous Australians do. I believe that changing the date doesn't gain anything. It's kind of, it, I think it's silly. I think to change a date that is a significant date, that it's a day that already means something to so many people, is kind of sticking your head in the sand. It's a missed opportunity. It's kind of like cancel culture bullshit. Um, not about that. I think that you repurpose the day. I think that you take control of the situation and you say, hey, Australia Day is a thing. We all know what it is. Do you know how uneducated the average Australian is that they actually think that January 26th is when James Cook landed on Australian soil? That ain't it. Um, it's, it's, it it's, and the dates are probably... Um, who knows how, how accurate the dates are, but the, 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 the story is that about a week earlier, um, a colony landed in, in New South Wales. Uh, they didn't like the spot in Botany Bay, so they moved on down the coast, and on about a week later, on January the 26th, they, they, um, they, they raised the English flag, the Union Jack, um, on, uh, uh, at Sydney Cove, and that's what the day signifies right but it's obviously a larger picture what 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 they're what what it signifies so people don't even really know what they're celebrating and um i think it's an opportunity to educate educate on your our own history for some reason i feel like people know more about american history names you know american names uh throughout history than they do about you know about our own history they know more about uh, the war of independence and the the um, um, the the Confederate War, you know, the the North versus the South, to at the the push to to abolish slavery. We know so much about American culture, and a lot of Australians don't really know a whole lot about our own history, um, which is pretty embarrassing. And that's you know that's that's on the schooling system really. But this is an opportunity to to educate and to highlight some of the horrible atrocities that were done. Um, you know, like commiserate with the Indigenous Australians about what what happened during that time period and what today signifies, and I think that it's a time to help uh, to to bridge gaps, to form new relationships and 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 open up new conversations, and uh, I I think that abolishing the date or changing the date is just 
I think a lot of Aboriginal people feel that way, but I don't think that they've thought it all the way through. I think it's the sentiment. I get the sentiment. I understand the sentiment behind it, but I don't think it's a finished thought. I think if you follow it through further, you go, hey, man, we don't want to celebrate what you're celebrating today. We want to talk about what happened and what this means to our people and what this means to the Indigenous cultures of Australia. And this is a great opportunity to do that because you guys are all jumping up and down, drinking beers, waving the the Australian flag around and watching fireworks. Well, how about we start the day with a little bit more education, a little bit more conversation, a little bit more discussion and and actually get down to some some, semantics about what happened and what this means and, and then try and bridge it a bit bit by bit, year by year, this isn't all going to happen on Australia Day, it's certainly not going to happen on one Australia Day, but let this be symbolic of that conversation and highlight the fact that we're having that conversation and then we all try to move forward and celebrate the rest of the day together. The rest of the day, there's plenty to celebrate. Celebrate The fact that we live in Australia, one of the best countries on earth, the fact that there's so many opportunities, even though there's inequality and there's still racism and the system still sucks, hey, guess what? The system sucks for white and black. I think the last couple of years has showed us that. So let's celebrate what we have in common, celebrate what's going right for us, and and um, look at moving forward. That's my my opinion on the situation. Uh, I just feel like, as I said, a lot of Aboriginal, I know a lot of Aboriginal people feel like change the dates the right way to go. I don't think it's a finished thought, and and I just think that it's been pushed along by. Um, you know, the white progressive movement, the, the whites that love to jump on and just, you know, virtue signal and, yeah, yeah, change the date, yeah, why, man, why? Because you heard some Aboriginal people say it and you just said, this is a good way for me to show what a fucking great person I am. I'll jump in on that. You, 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 you don't even know what they... If you, you see guys like Avi Yemeni from Rebel News out there, he, he replayed some clips from a year or two ago where he goes to a change the date rally, is interviewing all these white people and he's going, why do you want to change the date? And they don't want to even talk to him. He says, what, why are we changing the date? What does the date signify? And they can't even give him a straight answer as to what actually happened. And they're like, no, 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 I don't want to talk about semantics. I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about uh, uh, the semantics around the date. And he says, well, you're here to change the date. So we are talking about semantics. And, and the whole gist of these conversations he's having is that there's so many people out there protesting and virtue signaling and saying, I'm doing it. I want to change the date. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. So how about we educate those little pricks? How about we educate the racist Australians who just fucking... Who, who don't give a fuck and think it's great to just be bogans and fucking fuck the indigenous culture of Australia. How about we educate them, or if not them, at least their kids, at least have the conversation and maybe someone it'll, you know, might not just fall on deaf ears and try and move bloody forward, mate, you know? Fucking change the date. Just stop with that, all right? Let's, let's, let's hijack the date if you want. Make it mean something. Make it mean something more to other cultures uh, and other people other than just the one group of people that it means something to. How about that? That's more ballsy. That's more fucking revolutionary. That's actually getting shit done. So that went on for longer than I expected it to, but I do feel passionately about this. So there you go. That's my take. The average man's take on Australia Day and the change the date movement. Um, tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm actually 
pretty excited. I'm in a bloody good mood. We booked our holiday to Bali today. Booked the accommodation. I need to book flights as well. Um, we booked our first first trip to Bali in four years, man. If you've been listening along to the podcast, we we were booked in to go to Bali in, in March of 2020, and I can't remember the actual date now. Um, it was like, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th, somewhere around there. We were literally the first week of flights that got cancelled, leaving internationally flying out of Australia. Uh, it was like crazy at the time to think that you have to cancel your flight, you have to cancel a holiday because there's a virus and people are, are getting sick. It was like, what are we, that's surely not, that's not going to happen. We won't have to cancel our Bali holiday. Nah, nah, we'll be sweet. Sure enough, I can, you know, I think you could have flown out of the country, but you wouldn't have been able to get back in. I think that was the deal. And we had to count our bloody flight, man. Um, it ended up working out for the best because my, my dog, Casper, my old faithful, the best dog I've ever fucking owned in my life, um, best dog I've ever known in my life, he, he died that week and, you know, we would have been in Bali and that would have fucking broken me. So that worked out and, you know, we ended up using the credit eventually last year, like, not the year, just not the Christmas just gone, but the Christmas before that, um, between 2021, 2022, we used the, the, the flights and the, and the hotel credit and shit somewhere else down in Perth, um, which was supposed to be Darwin, but that got cancelled because of COVID as well. So we ended up getting, you know, we got our money's worth essentially. But yeah, man, it was crazy. We actually had to cancel our fucking Bali flight. It's now it's just, you think, yeah, that's what happened. People cancelled flights and holidays and everything was fucking turned upside down. But in the start of March 2020, that wasn't a thing, man. You didn't cancel holidays, you didn't cancel flights. That was a big deal. It was sort of you know, unheard of in a lot of ways. So yeah, that that happened. Um, it was kind of, fucking crazy, man. So yeah, first holiday to Bali in four years, man, and I'm so I'm so excited. We're going to the, whole, the to the hotel that we went to last time we were there, the Mandira in Legian. It's got a beautiful beach with white like like it's got a, a beautiful pool with like a white sandy beach as an entry into the pool and some water slides there and some big day beds you can hire for the day. We've got like a suite, this family suite with like beautiful sun lounges out the front and like a real nice you know boutique sort of um um uh, style inside it's right literally right across the road from the from the ocean so i just go out the front and walk across the road and go for a surf out the front of the hotel uh there's a big cocktail bar like made out of bamboo and shit on the very at the front of it called the azul bar beautiful man i'm so excited the kids are excited haven't been for so long so i'm so pumped for that man like um i can't wait can't wait we're going for 12 nights too we booked a good holiday we booked a good one mate like haven't been for four years uh we get some some money money back from flights and whatnot through um work um so it was like make it worth it let's go over there and and once we get there it's not that expensive it's the getting there and the getting back that's going to cost us a lot you know accommodation does cost as well but where we're staying but for the most part it was you know getting over there which is the big deal so stay there for 12 nights make it worth it and i can't bloody wait mate um also so we get back from bali and like a week and a half later is um easter so we've got we've got easter booked up in um rac caravan park in in broome 
uh, as well, probably like half of Port Hedland. There's about half the town there last year, so I wonder how many go on this year now. COVID's loosened up a bit, but um, definitely it was it was chockers with Hedlanders last year for Easter, which is good. It's a nice caravan park at Cable Beach there, right next to Divers Tavern. Got a pool there. Just bloody mint. Bloody mint. So I'm looking forward to that, mate. Kids are looking forward to that one. and Yeah. Yeah, a couple of holidays booked in. This is how we used to roll. We used to roll with holidays planned in advance throughout our year, so we had little checkpoints to work to so that it didn't feel like a fucking 12-month slog that you were, you were trying to get through each year, man, and getting burnt out by the end of the year. I plan on doing things a little different this year. So, yeah. See how that pans out. I'm pretty, pretty excited, man, pretty stoked. Um, more so... I'm also, uh, we, we had the three weeks off. Uh, I stayed pretty active, pretty healthy while we were away. I went diving a couple of times, went surfing a few times. I ran a lot of times, a lot of days while I was down there. It came back in, in, in pretty good shape. Like, you always slip a little bit. The diet goes a little bit haywire, but, but I didn't go crazy on the food. I definitely stayed active and physically fit. Um, so I came back to work, and, and work was fine, and jumped back into the gym, and it was about a week or so of, of, of picking up the slack and I'm kind of full guns blazing again now which is good um, and I'm kind of doing a little bit different this year I'm starting the year by um, training to put on a bit of a bit more muscle around my uh, my legs and my shoulders um, just I don't know I don't know what what decides what makes me decide what I'm going to train and how and what my goals are but I just kind of I just wing it and I think, you know, I feel like putting on, I'm, I'm 40 years old this year, I feel like it's a good time to put on a bit of muscle, it definitely help protect the ageing body, um, bone density is massive and muscle, def, you know, muscle mass as you get older is a, one of the most effective ways to, for, at least physically, to fight ageing, so I'm all about putting on some muscle in my 40s, mate, and you know, the legs are skinny as, as, as hell, right? So these bloody skinny jinners that I, that I roll with. So there's definitely some room for muscle to go there and, and the shoulders as well. They've been one of my weak, weakest points throughout, uh, throughout the years. I've had, you know, all up over 40 dislocations throughout between both shoulders. Not for many years now, but so the shoulders is something that I've always had to concentrate on and keep nice and strong and healthy. Um, so that's the that's the plan at the moment, lifting a bit heavier and just changed up the way I'm lifting. I've gone to for some of the compound movements like squats, deadlifts, um, um, bench press. Uh, I've gone to five sets of five rather than like three or four sets of eight or ten. So lower sets, um, but more lower reps, but more sets. Um, yeah, and and which is kind of good strength and muscle building uh, technique. So I'm feeling good at the moment, not really too sore. Like the, the workouts hurt. I am sore for, for, for days after each workout. That's fine. And I'll probably keep doing this until the little niggles start coming in, like the tweaks in the tendons and the ligaments and the sore elbows and wrists. And, you know, that's te- typically what happens when I lift heavy for a period of time. So once that starts, starts happening and I get sick of being sore and, and, and you know, little tweaks pissing me off, I'll, I'll change the objective and, and find a new goal you know, get, you know, cardiovascular, more fit, which is probably tie in better once the heat's gone anyway. You can look at running more again and doing circuits and cardio and doing more shit outside because it's a bit hard to, to run in head at the moment. Um, I did do a lot of running, as I mentioned, over the, the Christmas break. 
um, and I listened to to the latest David Goggins book on the way down, which was um, it was good. I have listened to his first book, Can't Hurt Me, and I've heard a couple of his podcasts he's done with Joe Rogan. And the Can't Hurt Me was you know, an interesting book, but just didn't really speak to me. And then I kind of always thought, fuck, living like David Goggins. He just um, seems like he doesn't have any fun and he's uh, got a massive chip on his shoulder and he doesn't relax, doesn't rest and just just didn't seem like a healthy or fun way to live life. Um, but his second podcast he did with Joe Rogan, what he was saying made a lot of sense to me and I thought I'll give the book a try. So I listened to it on the way down to uh, Perth and finished it off while we, while we were down south. And, and it really resonated with me, mate. It's, 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 it talks a lot about the fact that you, it's called Never Finished and the fact that you're never finished, you know, that you never have arrived anywhere. You've always got to keep working hard and about having a disciplined mind frame. And just he, he distinctly talks about the fact that it's not a self-help book. Um, but if you are the kind of person that's motivated already and committed to changing your life for the better incrementally day by day, then this is like a toolkit. It gives you the tools to do that, to make that transformation if you're already motivated and willing um, and committed to putting the work in, which is a cool way of looking at it. This won't motivate you. This won't change your life. This isn't a self-help book. If you're self-helping yourself, then here's a toolkit to actually help you get the job done, which is, a, I think, pretty a pretty cool way to look at it. And sure is, man. The dude's a fucking badass. He's got some some awesome uh, stories and mindset and, and techniques that he does to, to push himself and the way he, helping you look at life through his lens, if only for a period of time, um, you know, helps. It helps, um, I believe, it, it helps if you're um, on that pathway, on that journey, so... So what I was doing was I've listened to the book, listened to the book all the way through. And then I was said I was I was running while I was down there, and finding it hard to be, stay motivated some days because you know you've been drinking later, you know more than usual, staying up later at night, eating different kind of foods, not really in my normal routine. So I started going back and looking and listening to some of the the David Goggins book while I was running instead of music, and it's it's it certainly leaves very little room to bitch out of a run when you're listening to David Goggins talk about, you know, this guy does 250 mile runs and pushes through all sorts of fucked up pain and extenuating circumstances and overcomes all these odds and injuries and you're listening to him talk, actually someone else reading the book, but you listen to them talk about what he does and how he does it in the mind frame and, and you're running and you feel like stopping or cutting the run short, it's like, well, I can't really fucking do that because I'm going to feel like the biggest bitch in the world while I'm listening to Goggins so it's been really good motivation for me as far as um, running goes uh, so that was a good book I enjoyed that and I also started the Outliers book by Malcolm Gladwell which is you know about outliers believe it or not and it's alright there's some good information in there the dude's voice is a bit annoying and I feel like he kind of tight he kind of oversimplifies things a little bit but I'm only in the early days of the book so I will listen to the whole thing I, I, I will persist but um, I wouldn't recommend it at this stage of the game let me just finish the book and um, I'll get back to you and see if I think it's any any good or not worth worthwhile um, so yeah, where are we? Where are, what am I up to? Um, 
the UFC. The UFC. Uh, 2023, we had the first fights a couple of weeks back. First main event was last week, which was the open uh, UFC light heavyweight title fight, and then the bottom, and then the, the smallest guys, the the, um, the flyweights, uh, which was for the flyweights. That was the fourth time these two cats have fought each other, Brandon Moreno and Davidson Figueredo. Um, so they were Figgy was two to one to Moreno, and obviously Moreno got the win, uh, a stoppage. On, on last weekend, so he is the undisputed flyweight champion. I think he's sending the other guy, Figueredo, upper weight division, so they, they won't fight each other anymore. I don't think anyone's ever fought each other four times in the UFC before. There's been some some three fight, like some trilogies in the past, but um, never never a four fight you know, quadrility, whatever the fuck you call it. Quadrility? I don't know. I don't know if there's a real word for it. Um, but yeah, it's the it's the the first time that's happened, and it's been put to bed soundly. So, which was which was a good a good finish. Um, but next month, next month is exciting, mate. Next month is the um, UFC Perth. I'm not going. Um, I've been to one live event before. That was uh, Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm UFC, whatever it was in in Melbourne. You know, nine years ago thereabouts, and that was great. That was bloody great. Uh, it was I hated seeing Ronda lose but you know it was a great fight great atmosphere great experience Mark Hunt fought Bigfoot Silver on that card I think Robert Whittaker fought on that card as well so that was cool man uh, Johan Janjacic was the champion she fought on the, on the as the co-main event as well it was a great bloody night of fights great experience and just awesome staying in, in, in Melbourne in the in, in the city there in an apartment and, and walking down to Etihad Stadium and cruising around down Ligon Street in the evening having dinner and wine and I think Ems may have been pregnant uh, or no I think she may have fallen pregnant on that trip so this was just pre-kids which was pretty cool loved it it was a great time but um i'm not going to this one but it's um it's, it's going to be good man there's well first of all robert whitaker was supposed to fight again and his opponent uh dropped out due to contractual reasons which just pisses me off this 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 cat paula costa who was going to fight he's a middleweight contender he has had a you know rough couple of years since he lost his first fight ever to uh the, that the, the current champion at the time, Israel Adesanya, Kiwi fella, uh, a couple of years back. And then he's been a little bit hit and miss. And, and he's always moaning about wanting more money and a better contract. And he's pulled out of the fight because he wants more money. And it's like you're not even a, a like contender at the moment. Uh, he's still top five, but he's not like a full contender. And um, the, like the UFC doesn't give – the UFC just – the, the UFC just shelled Johnny John Jones for like three years or something because they had you know contractual disputes. Uh, they just let Francis Ngannou go because they've had contractual disputes over the last year or so. Uh, he is the reigning heavyweight champion in the world, one of the most marketable heavyweights of all time because the guy looks like an absolute killer. And they've just let him go because he wouldn't come to an agreement on contract with them. Like they don't give a fuck about some run-of-the-mill top five, top ten middleweight demanding more money. They'll just shelve the guy, man, which is, is what they do. They, You've got like three or four fights left on your contract. They have to offer you three fights a year. 
So what they do is they wait till you're injured, or they wait till they know they know you're on holiday, or, the, or or whatever it is, and they offer you short notice fights with unfavorable matchups, so that you say no, and then they offer you three fights, and you turn them all down in a year, or you take a bad fight and you lose, your value goes down, and and they basically don't fight you. They sit you on the shelf, and these guys don't make money if they don't fight. So he, he's playing the wrong game with cats who are used to this sort of shit. And we, the fans, are the ones that suffer because he's fucking around um, trying to get more money that he doesn't deserve uh, and going about it on, on, using a losing strategy. So it just frustrates you, man. The guy's a, guy's a cock. Um, hopefully Whitaker still fights. Doesn't hasn't been any talk of that, so I think that maybe that's off the table now, unfortunately. Um, but the main event is another Australian fella. It's um, Alexander Volkanovsky, who's the current featherweight champ, currently basically considered the greatest featherweight of all time. Um, He's beat Max Holloway three times. He beat Max Holloway Holloway three times. Max Holloway was uh, previously thought of as the best lightweight of all, uh, featherweight of all time, because he soundly beat Jose Aldo, who was previously thought of the greatest featherweight of all time. So there's been this progression where Jose had like a 10-year domination run, kind of knocked him out um, for the belt. And then eventually him and Max fought. Max pieced him up. Max was on a a tear as the greatest featherweight of all time, piecing everybody up. Then Volkanovski comes along, beats him three times and basically put that argument to bed. He is the greatest featherweight of all time. He's been untouchable. He's, I think he's lost one fight, and he's 21 fights or something along those lines, and it was like his first or second fight ever. So he's undefeated in the UFC. An amazing unbeaten um, uh, uh, streak. And he's coming up from featherweight to lightweight to fight the brand-new lightweight champion, Islam Makachev, who's kind of considered, you know, to, he's only had, like I said, he's only just won the title, but people are, are really thinking he's going to be the next big thing at lightweight. He is a protege of um, of Khabib Nurmagomedov, who was the lightweight goat before him, the guy that beat Conor McGregor, the guy that went um, 29 and 0 in his in MMA career, which is something that no one else has ever done. He beat the who's who of the division at the time. Um, he retired early, and his protege is Islam Makachev, and he's just won the belt off the guy Charles Oliveira and everyone was touting Charles Oliveira as like he could be the greatest lightweight of all time because he had a really good run over the last two years he knocked out a bunch of like you know Hall of Fame lightweight guys you know ex-champions and and guys who were who were just really really top of the heap and he, he beat them all like soundly um however there was a lot of I won't say luck but 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 um uh, favourable circumstance in each one of his big wins where it could have gone the other way. So I wasn't 100% sold that he was the best lightweight ever, but he definitely looked the goods. He was definitely super dominant. He definitely beat a, a string of really, really, like, the best lightweights out there. And then Makachev comes along and handles him quite easily. So he's now, which people are already talking about how good he is, and then he, he fights the champ and does that to him. So it's kind of like he's this amazing new like uh, version of Khabib that's out. Everyone thinks he's going to be the, 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 the next best thing, the, the greatest lightweight behind Khabib of all time, all this sort of shit. And our boy, the Aussie, Volkanovski, who's the greatest featherweight of all time, is stepping up a division to come and challenge him in Perth in February next month. 
fucking awesome, man. A lot of people are writing Volkanovsky off because of how good Islam Makachev is and because of the size difference. Well, the thing about Volk is he's a short dude, stocky dude. Yeah, sure, he's a featherweight, but he used to be 110, 115 kilos. He was a rugby player. He's lost a lot of muscle and, and, and size to come down to be the size that he is now. Uh, I think he can naturally put on muscle and it not be... Uh, forced and it not be out of place on his frame and I think he can get quite heavy quite strong quite bulky and be a real handful for someone who's a predominantly a wrestler which Markachev is to, to deal with he's got speed he's got footwork he's got great striking he doesn't get himself in silly positions and get hit with big clean shots so you really the, the, you know, the, the, you're banking on submitting this guy which Markachev can do but I think that's a lot harder said a lot easier said than done with a guy like Volkanovsky. So super excited about that, man. It's just, um, like I said, Makachev absorbed Oliveira's momentum. Um, Volkanovsky has been doing it for a while. He's undisputed. Super excited about that fight. If he can step up and take out Makachev and stop that train, that is huge. That is huge. He'll be a superstar, man. And if he doesn't, like if he doesn't get dominated, if he just gets beaten by the bigger champion, he just goes back down to his weight class and keeps dominating guys there. So... Not a huge loss for him, but pretty, pretty excited about that fight, man. I'm pretty excited to watch that one next month. Um, it also looks like Conor McGregor is going to come back this year. Looks like he's making a return. I mean, he's massive at the moment, like physically. He's huge. And there's, um, it's, it seems as though – it seems like he's, he's been taking steroids. It seems like he found a loophole where he can be out of the testing, the USADA testing pool, and he can actually take steroids to heal, help heal his, his fucking broken, snapped in half – shin bone that he got in his last fight um, it's kind of crazy because he's got all these photos and he's like huge right now he looks like a you know the size of a, a of a big welterweight and he was a featherweight once upon a time you know so two two like two weight divisions below and he's big he's jacked he's swole he's got all these photos of him online like just fucking looking swole and people are like, he's out of the USADA testing pool. And it comes out that, yeah, he is out of the USADA testing pool and it's fully legal. Whatever he's done, he's found a loophole to exit the testing pool for a period of time. Then he enters it. He has to be cleaned and tested for, I think, four months. And then he can fight again. And no one knew this existed. No one knew this loophole existed. So Connor is such a fucking trailblazer. He's found a way to get out of the testing pool for USADA, take steroids for fucking a year, and then get back in the pool, clean up, and, 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 and go fight, carrying the benefits of those, of those years taking steroids, that year taking steroids and, and helping your leg heal properly, and then going and fighting clean again, which, to be honest with you, I, I love. I think it's fucking great. There's a possibility that TJ Dillashaw is taking a leaf out of his book. He's retired. He's got fucked shoulders, so he may get on the juice for the next year or so try and heal his shoulders up, then re-sign with the UFC, go into the testing pool, clean up and go for another fight. He might just be done. Who knows, man? But look, look, I don't want silly, over-the-top, WWE-style steroid guys fighting in the UFC, right? Like, I'm not about this freak show. Um, guys in there fighting, just looking ridiculous, right? But I am about TRT being legal again, testosterone replacement therapy, because... These guys push their bodies so hard. They break their bodies down. There's so many different skills to, to tie together with the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu. Now the sambo, there's guys who are judo. you got striking, there's Muay Thai, Taekwondo, there's karate backgrounds, there's boxers. You've got to tie everything together 
and they're very different in the way they move, the way they stand, the distance that they fight at. Uh, all these things, right? You have to tie it all together. There's so many skills to learn, um, and you know, and, and you got to you got to fight injury along the way. They only fight two or three times a year, and, and and by the time guys start to get really good, quite often they're in their mid to late thirties, and it's kind of nearly all over to be an elite fighter just because of speed and recovery, really, and timing. So. To get guys like that, to give them TRT like they used to do, they get them another 10 years sometimes on their career. So they get to 36, 37, 38. They just start putting it all together and then they're on TRT and they get another good six, seven, eight, nine years where they can really put that all together and their body doesn't fail them. And we, the fans, get to see the the best of these guys in their best, you know, mentally at their best mentally with all the skills and without their bodies deteriorating and, and dropping away. So we, the, we're the fans. We're the ones that win, mate. Um, I understand that there's some clean fighters who, who completely you know, just don't want to compete against guys who are on you know, testosterone, but from a fan's perspective, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. And if guys can, like Connor can get out of the testing pool, heal his leg up, put a bunch of size on, come back, um, and still have to test clean before he fights. Fucking hell, man! I'm, I'm I am down for that. Uh, I'm down for that 100. percent So, probably an unpopular view, but uh, that's my view. So, we are the fans. We're the ones that win because we get to see better fights against guys who we recognise because they've been around long enough to build up a brand. So, yeah, pretty good men. Um, speaking of guys that like taking te- um, steroids and fucking um, have been around for a while, John Jones is. Finally booked to fight again at heavyweight. So his, this has been a, a, a two or three years coming. He left the lightweight division undefeated. Fucking smashed everyone there. Left the lightweight division. Kept getting done for like drink driving and taking cocaine and smashing his misses and doing all sorts of stupid. You got pop for fucking uh, trace amounts of some steroid. Like all sorts of stupid shit. Um, but he's coming back as a heavyweight. He's taken like two years to put the weight on. And he's like a legit heavyweight now. And he's coming back to fight. Uh, Cyril Garn, who's like the number one contender at heavyweight, uh, he would have come back and fought Nganu, but as I just mentioned before, Nganu has has not signed with the UFC anymore due to contract dispute. So I'm actually not too sad about that. I thought that was a bit of a hectic fight to bring Jones back to, like after whatever it is, like three years since he's fought, coming back, coming back and fighting. Um, the heavyweight champ, one of the most devastating strikers the heavyweight division's ever seen. Like, it's like a bit much, in my opinion. So, happy to see him fight somebody else. I think it's going to work out for the best that way anyway. Um, and it's a guy, he's a long, rangy, light heavyweight, like light as in light on his feet, moves like a bit like a middleweight. So, so the striking's going to be really high level, a lot of movement, not just big, lumbering heavyweights. Um but, you know, it's John Jones, man. This guy's not a real knockout puncher, so you'd hate him to come back after three years or whatever and just get knocked out. That would be um, that would be terrible. Um, but, yeah, man, so so excited to see that. Excited to see how he goes. Uh, definitely, uh, even though I really dislike John Jones, I'd be rooting for him in that one just because um, at this point in the game, I'm I'm sold on the story. You know, undefeated fighter, like destroys everyone at light heavyweight. Has a couple of years 
off, comes back at heavyweight, destroys everyone at heavyweight. Just like as much of a prick as the guy is, I never miss a John Jones fight. He's super exciting, super great to, to watch. I'd love to see him come back and do some crazy, amazing things at heavyweight and just dominate that 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 division it'd be pretty cool to just to see that as a spectacle not as in to see john jones succeed but to see it as a spectacle i'm down man i'm down for whatever is exciting to watch to be honest and john jones is exciting that's the that's the bottom line kind of the way i i i explain conor mcgregor to people i do like conor he does some shit that i really disagree with but I like him. I like watching him fight. But even if you hate him, like, you're not going to miss a Conor McGregor fight. You know what I mean? Even if you hate him, you'll still watch Conor McGregor fight just because he's so bloody exciting. So, you know, don't, don't, don't wish bad for these guys that are superstars and who are always bring the drama and the action. And, and don't wish bad on them. Just enjoy the ride. You don't have to like them. Just enjoy the entertainment. Enjoy the ride, man. You know, like, that's what it is. It's a sport. We're here to watch them and see what amazing shit they can pull out of a hat. You know, you don't need to invite him around to have dinner with your family or anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah, excited about that, mate. And, and, and yeah, I think that's about it for me. And that's about it. Australia Day podcast, um, consistency is the key at the moment, got a few little little tricks up my sleeve for, for the first part of this year, but really just need to get that consistency back first, so this is one of many, hope you guys have enjoyed it, um, yeah, Average Man episode, uh, episode 140, uh, the dude's going to Bali soon, can't wait, hope you enjoyed that, happy Australia Day. Um, that's it man over and out peace out see ya